Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Spitting feathers at Sunderland, beating a side like Man City, playing tippy-tappy football and a winning goal by his old mate Phil Bardsley. Thankfully the lads have pulled that win out of the bag and you don't all have to sit and listen to us analyse the defeat, all 1,400 of you. You'll be happy to know that we're all smiling in the studio today. We're joined by James Hunter, the son and reporter from The Chronicle. He's here for a second time. James, you alright? Yes, thank you very much for the invite back, guys. No I must have done something, right? Yeah, no problem. And we're also joined by Luke Ball, who's son of Kevin, obviously. Luke, you okay? Yeah, not bad, thanks. Thanks for having me. No problem. Right, we are going to do the Man City game, and we're going to do the question of a week, which I'm probably sure most of you are aware about, and there's a prize for that this week. And we're going to finish with asking Luke a few things. Nothing that's going to drop his old man too much because the last thing Gareth and I need is to be hunted down by Barley Nick when he's angry. So <laughs> it's, the um, it's the last thing I need as well. To yeah. be fair. <laughs> the last thing anybody needs, I think. Um, right, I've been saying for a while now, James. We needed to beat one of these top sides during this run of fixtures. Now, people have been saying to me they've been coming back at me and saying, "Surely you need to concentrate on beating the sides around you in the table." But if you if you've got any chance of staying up in the Premier League, you need to assume you're going to do that anyway. Certainly at home. My point was, sides like West Ham's gone to Tottenham and won. Um, Man- Cardiff City have beat Man City at home. Villa have beat Man City at home. Now we are, we we needed that. Even sides that get relegated need these kind of results, don't they? Yeah, well, you're right insofar as you need to beat the teams that are around you in the table. Of course, not just for the fact that you need the points yourself, but to deny them points as much as anything else. But winning against one of the top teams, winning against one of the elite sides, obviously does wonders for your confidence. And with the way that Sunderland have started the season... That's exactly what they needed. So that's made the, the result against Manchester City all the more important. Um, plus, if, if you look at the run of uh, home games that Sunderland have in the first half of the season, um, they've only had really three what, or three winnable fixtures um, between August and December. Mm-hmm. One being Fulham on the opening day, which lost that one. Uh, second one being Newcastle, which they won. Um, and the third being Norwich, which they've not played yet. Mm-hmm. So... Having lost against Fulham, uh, they needed to make up for that by beating um, one of the sides that you perhaps wouldn't expect them to get a result mm-hmm, against, exactly. and they've done that now. My point exactly, Luke. Um, we're just saying that it's a it's a bit of a shame this international breaks come, and it, Gus would be hating this because he came when there was an international break, and he only it only given two days to work with the players. We went to Swans, he got absolutely tanked, um, and now when we built up a little bit of momentum, the players would want to take the players would want to go and play another game soon as soon as they can now, wouldn't they? Yeah, I think that's a bit of a shame. They've lost the, the continuity, so to speak. But there's not that many away with the internationals. And what it does, it gives Gus Point a chance to work with the lads and implement some more of his, his ideas, his philosophies. And to be honest, improve the intensity of the fitness. Because I think if you refer back to the Liverpool and the Man United games when my father was in charge, I think they died off the last 45, 60 minutes. Um, and something if he's going to be playing his productive football, they do need to be able to press harder as well up the pitch. And that's when you start catching teams 
when they're, when they're uh, slightly slacking off, so to mm-hmm. speak. Falling off with fitness, despite Paolo Di Canio promising that we're going to be the fittest team, <laughs> the fittest <laughs> team in the universe. Uh, universe, right, Gareth? For him. <laughs> We've, we spoke we, about the team selection last week. We tried to call it. I called it wrong, not for the first time. But we thought he was going to return to this pragmatism, similar setup to Newcastle, mm. because he was playing a so-called better team to try and grind out that result, stop them from playing in the middle of the park. There were signs, as we said, against Southampton that the players were grasping the system. And were you surprised that he went for it against Manchester City? Yeah. Because if anything, they were even... Well, no, not if anything. They definitely were even better against Manchester City, weren't they? Yeah, they were... They were far more comfortable than you'd expect really um, definitely thought that they'd just go with two banks of four on the edge of the box and just sit in and stop Manchester City from breaking us down really um, but you know it was real. I think you saw from the very outset from the kickoff, it was straight at the key straight back to the goalkeeper and then they started building from there so it was obvious what he was going to do and I was surprised but it, I was I was equally surprised at how how we controlled the game in the first half I just thought you know we dominated it really um, I, I know the possession statistics at the end of the game sort of favoured Man City and that was probably because of their last 20 minutes But and where we did sort of have to sit on the edge of the 18 yard box but you know there's nothing wrong with that um, you know you've got to win games so and, and you know they'd, they'd earned the right to, to do that by the way they played in the first half and, and we got the goal so. How important James in hindsight was that Southampton game because a lot of people were saying it was a bit of an irrelevance the League Cup isn't particularly favoured amongst fans and players and managers nowadays but that was almost like a free pass for Gus wasn't it because he knew there wasn't any points at stake so that was a perfect game for him to go and implement his style on the side wasn't it it was good from that point of view, but I think uh, Southampton have proved this season that uh, they're, they're no mean side. And I know that um, uh, Mauricio Pochettino made 10 changes for, for that game. But even so, if you look at the team he put out, it was still a good side. They, were, they weren't there for the, for the taking. Um, I think uh, Gus Poyet um, obviously identified that game as, as the one where he could start to put his brand of, of football in, into the side. And there were the first signs of, of, of them playing the kind of expansive and uh, free-flowing possession, passing style, whatever you want to call it, um, in that game. And they carried that on in the first half against Manchester City. It was even better, wasn't it, against Manchester City? It was even better in that first half against Manchester City. Um, You know, I think that uh, Sunderland were were really quite comfortable against Man City, um, certainly in the first half. The second half, okay, was dominated by Man City, as you'd expect, with, with the players that they've got. Um, but when you when you really analyse it, they didn't really hurt Sunderland very much. Um, I can only remember a couple of, of saves in that second half that Vito mm-hmm. Manone had had to make. Yeah, a couple of decent saves. Um, you know, they didn't. It wasn't like the Alamo as yeah, it has no. been in previous years. It wasn't years quite when, Cigar, when but you certainly felt you felt comfortable, didn't you? Yeah, uh, like I say, in previous seasons, it's been like the Alamo when uh, when Man City have, yeah. have been against Sunderland. Even though Sunderland have, have won those games, um, you know, it has been all hands to the pump. It's, that wasn't the case um, last weekend, uh, or it didn't feel as much the case as, as perhaps in previous years. Mm-hmm. When we look, when we speak to journalists associated with the opposition sides on this program. Uh, we we often say you know have a bit of a joke with them and say you know you're not going to know how to set up against Sunderland because it's very ambiguous. We don't even know ourselves what Poyet's going to do. It's very apparent now that his identity is being stamped on it. It's hard to see him changing too much from this now. And we could see from the first half straight away it was very sort of regimental. Centre halves were splitting. Key was coming back for the ball, so it was almost like a back three. Full backs were pushed forward onto the touchline where you would expect wing backs to stand. Man City. It took them possibly the second half to sort of deal with that, I thought, to press us. 
Um, but sides are now going to be aware that that's how we're going to set up when the keeper's got the ball. Well, that's the thing. If you take a result against Man City, they're going to expect that. Um, these sort of formations is what Gus Point is all about. But the thing we should notice is some have always had these players who can do this. It's not so much a case where Gus Point is now reinvented Sunderland. We've always had the players to be able to do this. It's just getting the better out of the players. Um, I think sometimes Di Canio maybe struggled to do so a little bit because I, th- I felt personally that his, his tactics were a little bit more regimented and a bit too continental so to speak you know mm-hmm. in reference to the Italian style of play and that goes back to their fitness as well if you look at their fitness it's very Italian based fitness long slow duration not short sharp intensity like I, I suppose like my father was trying to implement during these three games and suppose Poirier will do as well because we did see a change of play against Newcastle when we scored the winner mm-hmm. we've seen the change of pace and the players have got to be confident enough to do so and I think they've always been able to do so, ability-wise. It's just getting the best out of them in the situation they're in. Mm, well, I certainly hope that's true, because <laughs> we've, all, we've all had our doubts about the ability mm. issues with the players there. Gareth, it's interesting that Luke's mentioned De Canio there and the way he set the side up, because De Canio always came out and sort of implied his full-backs were going to play like wingers mm. under him, yet we, we saw them in much more advanced positions than we've we've ever seen them on Sunday and they're going to be a pivotal part on when we spoke to Jabsco from Brighton he mentioned the fullbacks thing he mm. actually tweeted me he sent me a DM the other day and said who are your fullbacks because they're going to be so important under Poyet's system mm. I think um, maybe the, the the fullbacks thing under De Canio it was a different way of utilising it was a classic overlapping fullback whereas it's almost with, with this with this sort of use of fullbacks it's like other people are dropping into the positions where the where the fullbacks have left. They're building it slowly, and like you saw, with the goals a prime example is callbacks dropped in and they left, and then Bardi's bombed on, yeah. and 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 he's you know he's got him in when once they've worked the space, worked the angle, and it was a great pass from Brown to, to get Bardsley in. But maybe that's the kind of influence you're going to get from the fullback. It might not just be the fullbacks as well. It's going to be other players in the team who are going to be so. <laughs> Don't want to get carried away and say total football, but that's obviously that sort no, they of do. thing. They do have to make a decision to make the effort themselves because that can open up a space. That can make the person who's got the ball decision for them. Um, and they've got to recognise the situation. And the fortunate for things on like Jack is he's a good footballer with the ball at his feet and he's a good footballer mentally. So you do get those kind of openings with him. And lucky enough for Bardsley, you know he's gambled, gambled well. And he's you know he's paid dividends mm-hmm. for him. You counted 15 passes, I counted 16, because we were both sad and we both went back and counted the amount of passes before the goal, James. Have you seen that before? Someone knocking the ball about 16 passes before a goal? Um, Against uh, quality opposition as well? If I have, it was a long time ago <laughs> since I was counting the passes quite, quite like that. Um, I think, you know, for a long time people have, have, have talked about uh, the style of play that Sunderland, Sunderland have and uh, uh, where to try and Im- improve it as a spectacle and also um, to kind of um, take on from uh, the way that other teams other teams play. I mean, teams like Swansea have been uh, lauded in the past for for the way that uh, the way that they play. It's nice to see Sunderland try something new, try something different. And uh, in these last couple of games, it, it seems to have worked out really well. It, it's interesting that the Canio sort of came and he said he was going to give us his new identity. And then when it didn't work, he was just blaming it, you know, say, oh, it's a teething, teething problems, so to speak. And Gus Poyet's done it at remarkable speed, hasn't he? It hasn't took him very long at all to stamp his sort of ideologies onto the pitch. Yeah, I think uh, I think Gus has in, in, in many ways followed on from uh, where Kevin Ball left off, um, particularly when you look at those performances against... Uh, 
Liverpool and Manchester United uh, at home. Um, I mean, you could see um, they were quite similar uh, in the first half with Sunderland were as they were against Manchester City. The difference is that uh, they they seem to run out of puff in the second mm-hmm. second half. Mm-hmm. Um, they didn't do that against Manchester City. They were able to keep going and, and that was a, a real key so really I think Gus is building on what's gone before which is why it seems to have, have taken him no time at all to uh, to hit the ground running mm-hmm. I don't want to um, what I don't want to do is dedicate a little section to Phil Bardsley every week now and ask, <laughs> and ask people what to think about it because you almost feel like he's getting on with the job now so I'd rather just get this out of the way now but not so much with you guys but with Gareth probably more specifically uh, um, because well you know these lads aren't you know these James writes about it. Luke looks at things differently. We're talking as fans, aren't we, really? Um, What's your feelings now about Bardsley? Well, my feeling always was that I wasn't really bothered about the casino thing anyway, to be honest. I think, you know, the the whole... The thing with the... My issue is with Phil Bardsley is that I didn't think he was very good. That's the bottom line, so... And that's that's my personal opinion on him as a footballer. And then the stuff off the pitch just tipped that over the edge. Yeah, of it. I think that he was it was a bad judgment of bad judgment call to go on, you know, and start laughing about the fact that Sunderland lost a game against Fulham, um, and you know he'd argue that that was it. And a lot of people have said, you know, he's he's aimed that at De Canio. That's not aimed at his teammates. That's not aimed at the supporters. But you got to have a you got you got to think before you do stuff like that and obviously he's a professional he's, footballer but he's brought that he's brought that on himself you know he brought that situation on himself stupidly like you should somebody should have you know if somebody was there would should have probably would have gone put the keyboard down yeah know? i think fans have um took that literally and so they should have done i mean mm. if you compare the players they're desperate to get Bardsley back mm. and that should say something i mean what he's done with the instagram thing and the casino thing it's been it's been took in its literal sense, and rightly so. Um, fans don't really know a lot behind behind the scenes, but you know, if the if the players are that quick to get him back into the fold, it must mean something. He's either been forgiven by the players, or they know something else that maybe me, you, or the rest of us don't. Mm. Yeah, I think uh, like like I've said to you before when we've spoken about Phil Bardsley here. Yeah. Um, if Paolo Di Canio didn't react in the way that he did to the casino thing which I think was stupidity rather than malice uh, if Paolo Di Canio hadn't reacted in the way that he did by bombing Phil Barsley out to you know the, the farthest corner of the galaxy um, then the second incident mm. doesn't happen yeah that's a fair point but let's talk about well I think it's fair as well to talk about Phil as you know He's played well, hasn't he? So mm-hmm. you know, well, rather than in, focus on that stuff, you know, he, has, yeah. he has played well. Yeah, since I just, he's I, come just I just want to get that out of the way rather than have to yeah. have to you know go yeah. back over that. Um, I spoke to Phil after, after the game against Manchester City. First time I've spoken to him since he's been back in in the fold, and uh, and he's fully aware and said so that, that he he knows he's let the fans down, um, and he he wants to to make up for it. Um, I mean, it wasn't exactly a, a, a down on your knees apology, but I wasn't looking f- for that. You know, mm. he's acknowledged that he's done wrong and he wants to put it right on mm. the pitch, and that's all you can expect, yeah. I think. Gareth, um, t- you're talking about his, his performance levels there. He's playing for another contract now. Do you think he almost needs that? Because he's always been portrayed as 100% of Bardsley. I think that's something people label him with. You know, he applies himself correctly, but. In my opinion, the last couple of years, I think he's been in his comfort zone a little bit. And with the greatest of respect, I don't think he's good enough to pull that off. Like you've been saying yourself, mm-hmm. it's been an ability, issue, an ability issue. But he did win player of the season a few years ago, and that was when he had something to prove. 
Does he all? Does it seem to you like he all almost needs some sort of motivation to get the best out of him? I don't. I don't think. I don't think that. I think, to be fair to him, with regards to his poor form, um, he'd been injured for for quite a while. Um, he had a problem, didn't he, last season? I can't remember. It was yeah, a persist- ankle, ankle, it? persistent problem. Um, so, but players players go into form, go out of form, and he wasn't playing very well. And on on that basis, as the players you'd probably bring in and and pick ahead of him. Um, but you know, he he. Well, under Bruce, when he was sort of frozen out a bit, he went away, did his Lily Shaw in the summer, um, proved came back and got player of the season at left back. Remember, he didn't yeah. play right back; he played left back. So he, he's obviously got a level of determination, but you well, know, maybe maybe, maybe take something like this. But maybe sometimes. the maybe the Poyet see the way Poyet wants to play might help him because it, it cuts out his ma- major deficiency for me, which is wasting the wasting possession when he when he plays that r- long. That long pass to, to nothing, and that's that's the infuriating thing about him. For me, that that's that's a, a big problem, you know. Um, and he's going to be encouraged to knock it sideways now, rather than knock it long. So that might make him look a better player. I mean, even if Phil's ambition is to earn a new contract, that's only good things for some football club now because either he wants a new contract because he realises the size of the club, he probably won't go to another club of this size and structure and, and infrastructure. But even if he wants to put himself in the shot window. So be it, because that means he's going to play very well each week, and he's going to be a key—not a key player, but a player who can be used well in situations now. So it's nothing but a positive for Sunderland Football Club. Should he need a contract, and should he want to stay? And sudden, suddenly, we've got somebody who can play right back or left back as well. So we've got three options to cover all those full back areas because Desena can cover left back now, Saluska right back, and Bardi can cover either now. So that's good for the manager as well, isn't it? Well, it's a, it's a great option for for Gus Poyet to have. I mean, he can even. You look at back, uh, Colback playing at left back as well. So you've now got two in each position, and every manager wants two in each position. Okay, it's not Jack's natural position, but I think he's more than capable of playing there. Um, Salusica and Bardsley, I think that's a good good competition for the place. I think each of them a little bit different in terms of ability, in terms of things they offer you in certain games. So Gus Poyle will choose which player he needs or which given situation. It's um, James. Do we do we think he's more likely to steer right back, left back? Because I think. It, Clearly, as we say, we saw the way the, the players set up and when the keeper had the ball, they were stand on the touchline like wingers or wing-backs. Now, if, he, if Gus likes his players to sort of bomb on like that and comfortable on the ball, Desena certainly is that. So after he comes back from his suspension, from his attempted murder charge, could you, um, could you, could you see him coming straight back into the team? Uh, it's, hard to, it's hard to know, really, because I don't think that uh, Gus Poyet's had uh, all those three players um, fit. Um, and available mm-hmm. um, as yet, and it's the players that that they have to lose that position now. You think? Yeah, I, you know, I, I don't think that um, you would. W- I know that obviously uh, Dosena can't play against Stoke in the next game, but were he available, I couldn't see um, Gus Poyet making a change uh, after keeping that clean sheet against Manchester City. So I think uh, those two, those two, Saluska and Bardsley, are, are the two um, that are in the side to, to displace now. It'd be hard to see him change up back five now. When the Gareth you mentioned there, the Bardsley. The long ball things sort of eradicated from his game now. Wes Brown, as we mentioned with his um, sort of connection with John O'Shea last week, in a similar sort of fashion, Wes Brown's pivotal at that, isn't he? Mm. Well, some of um, O'Shea's passing and you know was excellent. I thought um, our best move of the game was came from a, a ball that he played out a key in the middle, and we went down the left, and Johnson 
delivery let him down. Um, but you know that was a in, that was a great pass from O'Shea. But really, it's like it's almost like the fact that Brown's back in. It's just it seems it's just like, like you. I think you said Stephen a couple of weeks ago that when Brown's in, it's like the defense is complete. It's like having your he, best friend back in the role, doesn't it? It's a, it's a calming situation for the glues, pair of them. He glues yeah. the back four together. He does. He, he does. I mean, I suppose you know you can count on Wes Brown. John O'Shea can can count on Wes Brown. Wes Brown can count on John O'Shea. So you can get a lot more, lot more relaxed play from the pair of them because they know where each other's going to be. They've played with each other for years now, and I suppose when you start chopping the ch- chopping, changing the teams like Decanio did, um, if I go back to the Shalustica, um incident where the left wing at Man United scored. If Brown and O'Shea were centre backs, I think the communication would be better. The right back would know then not to to come in t- on top of John O'Shea. And John O'Shea doesn't head the ball sh- straight into the left mm-hmm. left wingers left boots, should I say? Yeah. So I think that's those kind of mistakes that some have been making recently. Hopefully, we start being eradicated now because communication will be better along the back five. It's hard to say change at back five now, James, isn't it? It is. Yeah, you've, yeah. you've got to worry about Brown's fitness, obviously, but he's he's not going to change it unless he has to. Yeah, I think that um, uh, it's my own personal view that that will, that will be his first choice um, back back five um, as things as things stand. You know, injuries and suspensions permitting. Um, it remains to be seen because because Gus Poyet hasn't been here. Like I say, with all those players available um, for, for very long, so we'll we'll get a better view over the coming sort of weeks and months. But but that will be that will be my thought. Uh, I think. What uh, what Luke was just saying was very true as well. When you've got um, Wes Brown there at the centre of defence, and you've got a good understanding between him and O'Shea from the Manchester United days, um, you've got confidence in your um, central defensive partner. Because what can happen is if if somebody does something that you're not expecting, then you get drawn into a situation that you shouldn't really be in, and people then blame you for the mistake yeah. when in actual fact you're you're covering for somebody else. Mm-hmm. And I think that's happened at times this season. Yeah, I mean that was the point I was trying to make with the, uh, the Salusica overcovering on the goal for Man United um, because he's had to do so. John O'Shea is now stretching, mm-hmm. and it's a, it was a poor header no matter what, but yeah. he's out of position because he doesn't know where people are. There's no communication there. I mean, and unfortunately, in these types of games, you can't do that because you concede a goal. And that completely deflated Sunderland from that point onwards for the next 20 minutes, I would have said. Yeah. Um, and that's the, sh- that's the shame of the situation. With them, the same of something I'll, I'll ask you about, Luke, because I'm, I'm just curious. Obviously, he's new to the club. Um, he's the only left back, with the nat- only natural left back we've got. So he, he does what he does at home. Yeah. Um, Sort of when a new player comes in and does something like that, what what's the sort of feeling around the dressing room? Is it are people sort of quite forgiving because you understand people make mistakes and you just kind of get on with it, or will it be sort of a bit of a funny situation when he's sort of a feeling that he sort of let the team down in a way? And I, I, do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I know what you mean. I mean, he's guilty of an horrendous tackle. I mean, um, there's no no doubt about that. I can't see them holding a grudge. I mean, in a way, I suppose they should because they're now a man down. Yeah. So they should have a have a bit of a pop at him, let him know it's not acceptable. But you know, he's from what I've seen from his Liverpool days, he was a feisty character then. So you half know what to expect from him. Um, it's just I can't see there being no real ill feeling, but rightfully so. If they have had a go at them, so so be it. Because yeah. unfortunately, that did cost Sunderland at that given time. It reminds me a bit of a story, Luke. I've been to see your dad do his talks before when he played for Burnley and he took David Dunn out. And then he said he got home and you told him it was a decent tackle. It was a fairly decent <laughs> tackle, yeah. I mean, um, <laughs> No, that was assault, that one. That was assault. I mean, he'd done well to keep himself even on earth after that tackle. I mean, I've, I've YouTubed that three or four times. Now, it doesn't get no better no matter how many, t- how many times you watch it. Um, 
that was just a poor tackle. Everything about it was horrendous, so, so to speak. But uh, it, see, that's the difference between the Desena one and my father's one. I think my father's one, I would arguably say, was probably worse, <laughs> to be honest. Um, Gareth, we, we need a. We spoke about the back five there, so we we need to give a special men- mention to Manoni, I think, mm. because um, a lot of people, myself included, was were quite skeptical about his signing. He played against MK Dons and looked he looked horrendous yeah, in that game. Yeah. To be fair, but he's looked commanding. He communicates with his defenders. You can hear him almost from the stand. Um, and he looked, he looked assured as well. He didn't have a lot to do, but he looked, he looked, he's looked assured, hasn't he? The last two games, but he hasn't. I don't think he's flattered across or anything like no. that. Um, which is, you know, when he comes and takes a ball above people's heads, as simple as it's, you know, like plugging apples off a tree sort of thing. Like, like that's he makes it look easy, and that as a surely as a defender, you're going, oh, I'm pleased that. And that's yeah. nothing against Westwood, by the way, because I, I think Westwood's a decent keeper. But like going back to what you were saying about. Having to set up back four, yeah. having people in there. Westwood hasn't had that in front of him, and there was a lot of chopping and changing, and in midfield as well. If you're t- changing your back four and your midfield every week, it's it's you know it's problems. hard to build up a routine. And I think the good thing about Manone coming in and picking crosses is it eases the pressure on O'Shea, eases the pressure on uh, on Wes Brown. Then so they're now because they're not under constant threat all game. They're now that little bit fitter. They might last that extra five minutes because they're not under constant duress during the game. So his knock-on effect of coming collecting ball from across means that now John O'Shea is not under pressure for the whole of the 90 minutes so to speak so that's a that's a huge positive for the centre-backs for the full-backs and for for himself to come and collect those balls which not often in recent years have we seen goalkeepers come and do so mm. yeah, I think they're a lot closer in in terms of uh, the position in the pecking order obviously Manone and Westwood than Sunderland have had for a while because obviously Simon Mignolet was the mm. established num- number initially one initially they were but then he sort of took off yeah. didn't he yeah. to a different level didn't he um, so I think that now there's sort of genuine competition between the two so hopefully that will bring the best out of both of them last time we had that we had Poom and Myra we got rid of them and brought in Davis <laughs> <laughs> but my um my, I mean, you Them's know the breaks. <laughs> <laughs> you know that Gareth, the, my brother, went to watch Arsenal bizarrely in Germany the other week, even though he's no affiliation and whatsoever. And he was saying that all the Arsenal fans were telling him now that Manone would would be okay. Big nose Manone, they call him, and I don't think I don't think that's just because he looks like a character from a nineteen twenties New York gangster film, which he does, to be fair. But it's because he's got a big nose. Well, he does, does, doesn't he? Though, like an Italian gangster from Brooklyn or something. I think he does. Yeah. Perhaps that's why he's coming collecting them because he does. The centre backs <laughs> don't want to mess <laughs> him about. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. exactly. Well, but, they couldn't really. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get a uh, move away from defence in the midfield. Seb Larson, Gareth. He was best, really best game you've seen yeah, a player for Sunderland. Probably, I would say so. And he's somebody else we've been critical mm-hmm. with, and well, I, uh, well, I stand by a lot yeah. of criticisms mm-hmm. we've made over him. We did always, however. Um, Reiterate the fact that we thought he would be better in a midfield three, as most of those midfielders were. Now I know this is like the formation sort of like four-one-four, whatever, but it's a three-man midfield, isn't it? Keys just really deep, mm. and but he, he still sort of exceeded. No, he, he was expectations, very, yeah. didn't he? Uh, he? I mean the the title. Of, I mean, did you see it at the? Because I didn't see the title no, of the game. I didn't. No. I came out and uh, looked on Twitter, and people were saying, "Oh." The last one was brilliant, but he was lucky to stay on. I did see it, but only because we've got replay, the benefit of mm. replays. Yeah, I didn't uh, see it straight after. after. I'll, no f- I'll pull up Arsene Wenger and say I didn't see it. There was no yeah. fu- there was no fuss over it or anything. No one yeah. was like up in arms, and you know he wasn't. He didn't exactly uh, fair play to Garcia. He, he got and it was a nasty one, and he didn't he didn't uh, you know milk it. Yeah. And he was he was running fine. It just goes to show that not every not these all of these tackles are 
you know, maybe as bad as people like to make out on the television or whatever. Um, but he, you know, if he, if he'd had been sent off for that, he couldn't have really had any arguments. But it, it, there was no malice there. Yeah, I mean, I suppose I refer back to the the Catamol send off. For me, I watched that, I probably about ten, fifteen times now with my father, and I can't quite give it a straight red for me. No. Does yeah, no, I can't. I, I think his momentum's took him that quick towards the ball, but it's also his momentum that stopped him from causing any real. You know, bad tackle towards a player, and I think obviously his name's carried him. Yeah. And I'll have to say it. I think Lee's not helped himself there really. I mean, he's walked before. He's yeah. even uh, That's a bizarre one. Yeah, he, he kind of knew, but I suppose he's made the referee's decision for him in, in a way. So, when but, sorry, go on, carry on. Sorry, no, sorry. I was just going to on a Larson James. Um, it's different when sides are going to come and defend against this system rather than when we're doing the defending like against teams like Manchester City and stuff. So he's going to be expected to offer. Offers something from an offensive point of view as well, isn't he? He is. I mean, the the one thing that um, that we all acknowledged about him when he joined the club is that his his prowess at set pieces, the which has been absent for years. Well, so. yeah, the, that's what I was I was going to say. The, but the fact remains, if you look at the figures, you know he hasn't scored direct from a free kick since um, I think it was January uh, last year um, at Peterborough. So it's a long, long time since. Um, uh, since he's had a, f- a free kick goal, so you've been judging him a lot more on on his his contribution from open play, and and as you rightly pointed out, you know that that's lacked at times. But he was he was definitely I thought that was his best performance for a long long time um, on Sunday. Funnily enough, probably his best performance since he scored twice against Manchester City mm. the, the other year. And uh, he showed this, at, uh, yeah. And he has showed this before, like you say, the Man City away game. Gareth last season, West Ham at home, I remember. Him and Vaughan having particularly good games mm. in the middle of the park. Larson scored a screamer that game with mm. his left foot. Yeah. So he has to sustain this now. Like we're saying about Bardsley, it's no good just you know reverting back to type, is it? Well, I think that's that's the problem with all of these players. I get this this criticism, and the the criticism doesn't come from isolated things. It's it's based on a you know prolonged problem where they they don't perform consistently enough, and as a result, we suffer because we don't get results. And it puts pressure on everything. So, and that that's been the case for eighteen months to two years. You know the the statistics, the the key statistics. I'm not talking about, you know, the ones that people like to you know decide whether or not to take or not. I'm talking about points on the board. So, and we haven't got them. And that's because a lot of these players who keep getting a go have failed. And in games, um, it doesn't mean they're not good players, but there's obviously something wrong. Why, why can't they play to that level? You know, or near that level consistently, and have the occasional bad game rather than being mm-hmm. average, couple of games poor, a couple of games, and then have one storming. I game. do think that the midfield three will give them a, a better platform to do that. Hopefully, because I think Larson's problem was he used to get in, in go missing in the midfield too. In the middle, I just don't think he was suited to that job at all. Luke, talk, the, the, sorry, just to talk about Gardner going in January as well. Sorry, just on the when we're talking about midfielders, obviously that's something that he doesn't really. You can't see him playing in that Poyet-style team, can you? Mm, well, that, that's what we're going to talk to you about. I mean, how do we think that other midfielders will fit in this system? Because injuries and suspensions do happen. Those three players were almost perfect for each other. They moved about in unison, like a flock of birds almost, that triangle. They never, you know, they were always moving about simultaneously, Luke. A lot of work on the training ground for that. Would you worry about how he could fit other players in, or do you think the squad's capable there? Because we, we spoke about Giacarini playing in, the, in a more central role before as well. Yeah, I mean, it's funny because I can't immediately see where Giacarini's going to come into that team. Um 
Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. I know my father played him off the forward, which, you know, my father wasn't reinventing the wheel there. That's why he's played for mm-hmm. Italy, but he was best utilized over those three games. And Poyer's obviously not chose to play him there. So it's interesting where you can fit Iaccarini in because for me, he's a... He's an excellent player. How Solomon managed to sign him, I don't know. <laughs> um, but it's funny regarding the shape of the team. If you play Key, Catamolt and Colback, I think you've got a good structure of the team there. You've got a left left footer player in the left side midfield. You've got someone who's very, very com- comf- uh, comfortable on the ball in Key. He glides over the pitch. And you've got that midfielder that Solomon fans like, which is a tough tackler in Catamolt. And for me, it's, it's funny because I do like Gardner as a player and I do think he's an honest player. But I can't see him straight away into that midfield, and I think it's a shame because, particularly, I suppose I'd be a little bit biased there over the three games for my father. I thought he played very well. He got his goal against United, and it's, I think you notice when he went off. I think Sonnen dipped a little bit, you know, after after he did go off. So it's interesting. I'd like to see Gardner really get into this team, but that three there is looking quite solid, and that's a solid three that Sonnen. Well, it's almost. I mean, we always said when he played at Birmingham in a, in a midfield three, he was very advanced, mm-hmm. um, like he did for Kevin when he played against Manchester United. Yeah. Poyet, he goes the other way where he has somebody sitting really deep and two in front of him, so it's a bit of a struggle that way, isn't it? It is, but then I suppose that's always another option for Poyet because there is horses for courses. You're going to get some games where you've got to chase them. Um, for me, I think Gardner, although Larson's quite honest um, as well when he closes down, I think Gardner can probably press better than what Larson can. I think Catamore obviously definitely does. And there's some games where you probably can't allow it to have key because you need to press, and maybe you would choose Gardner in those, in those situations because if, if key... I suppose he does glide over the pitch very well, but for me, he's not you know, a, a presser. And if you're winning one nil away, and you want a presser, you you refer back to someone like Gardner, Gardner or Larson. But are, are we going to be trying to close out games by keeping possession? Do you, do you know? Do yeah, you know what well, I mean? well Poirier wants to complete possession football. So if we are going to have possession, and we are going to be winning Man City at home one nil, for me, you eventually have to close up shop eventually because you can't afford to chase the game we can't afford to keep playing over possession football because against someone like Arsenal say for instance they they play that in Europe all day long they play against mm. possession football and they'll they'll find you out so there is there's definitely horses for courses but as we keep saying I think it's difficult for Gardner to get back into this team at current and I think that's a shame to be honest but that's as is football and he, he might go somewhere else and he might kick on as well speaking about fitting players midfielders into the system James we're going to try and get through a podcast without somebody referring to Key as a key player because somebody always does. You can't help it. You've just done it. Yeah, well, no, <laughs> not technically. <laughs> um, he's, that is a very important role for Gus Poyet. We've said before, we joked about a call, the Liam Bridcut role. That's who done it for him at Brighton. 
My worry, or, con- or not worry, but a little bit of a concern is if Key can't play, can anybody else in the Sun and side do that? Um, well, it's an, it's an interesting one, isn't it? Um, I think that he certainly looked uh, the, the best player to fill that um, role, the role that seems to be being increasingly described as a quarterback role. Mm. Um, <laughs> I hate that phrase. Yeah, it doesn't, doesn't really... It was used to justify Charlie Adam, which is never a good thing. <laughs> David, never a good David thing. Beckham played quarterback, <laughs> and we got yeah. beat off Northern Ireland one yeah. day. I remember that. Yeah. Um, but as far as uh, potential replacements there, I mean, as, uh, as we were just saying, you, know, you couldn't see Craig Gardner playing in that role. I mean, could could Lee Catamol play there? If, I mean, no. Yeah, that's I, the I, thing about Lee because Lee Catamol, you know, people sort of assume he plays deep, which he does. Yeah. But as a defensive midfielder, it's a different role altogether, it isn't is. it? Yeah, He's yeah. not coming. Lee Catamol's not going to come and get the ball off a goalkeeper and yeah. in a composed manner, almost, is he? No, he's n- and he's not going to protect the back four in quite the same same way. You know, I. I think that Key is Key is definitely the best player on, for that position. Player, the key no, I'm I'm steering clear of that. <laughs> um, no, I, I think he's definitely the the right man for for that role. I think um, as, as as Luke said, uh, you know you've you've got horses for courses. You've got so many options there in midfield. Now you want to play with a, a deep lying midfielder, then you've got Key. You want to change it and press a bit more. You can bring in Gardner, and having those kind of options available to you, you know, if you've got players on the bench or you know when you come into picking your starting eleven, has got to be a good thing from Sunderland's point of view. It's all, it's going to depend who you're facing at any given time and even at what stage in the game you're at. We've seen against different sides look that Poyet can change his system up but this is obviously his preferred way so we're seeing here how important Key is in, in, in that role and we're seeing how important Wes Brown is in that role as well keeping the ball at the back um, do we think that then rather than try and replace, say those two were injured or unavailable, rather than try to replace those two We'd almost say Poya just try something different rather than try to do it. See, again, I'm not sure because you go back to the horses, of course, argument. Um, but there should be players in that squad who are comfortable in playing those positions. Um, now, I'm not sure whether he'd change it completely um, because it'd be hard if Key got injured because it almost looks like Key's ready made for a Poya team, doesn't it? Yeah. It comes, it's been a, such a smooth transition for Key in this team. Um, now, as we go back before, I'm not sure anyone can replace him in that role. I mean, I'd like to see Jack do it, but. I'm not sure he, that's his best his best position. I think he can play a little bit, a little bit higher and a little bit wider at times as well. Not so much on the wing, but he can he can press on. Whereas Key, you don't often see him go the full length of the pitch. Whereas I think Jack's got it in his ability to do so. So you, you probably wouldn't say Jack could play there. So I'm not too sure on that one, to be honest with you. Mm, Jack's Jack Callback's going to be vitally important, Gareth. He's not, again, he's another player we always knew could keep the ball. We've always said that was his best quality: ball retention. Again, in a midfield three, even though I think Callback. Probably is suited in midfield too, as long as he's got a good partner alongside him. He needs to sign a new contract now, doesn't he? Mm-hmm. Well, you know, let's let's hope he does. I mean, the thing with with callback for me has always been, I just think he lacks he, he lacks that positivity. He's he's capable he is, of, of he is. playing the forward ball. A little bit of self belief at times. Yeah, I think. and he just sometimes he just like that goal he scored against Middlesbrough mm. way in the cup. You think he's got that in his locker? He does, yeah. but he just he just needs, he needs to, to bring show it. Out, how yeah. do, how does he? How is he gonna, you know? How is he gonna be encouraged to to reach his potential? And that's that's what you want to see. Um, and sometimes, you know, he he does he has a second he has a second look at a you know a positive what you'd term a positive ball a forward ball into a dangerous area, and he'll sort of bail out of it and go with a simple ball. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that, but I just think Corbach was somebody who kind of did it a bit too often for somebody who's probably good enough to to. To play the good ball. Yeah, um, I think that's an interesting point. I mean, you're probably fully aware that my father and Jack got on very well. Um, 
and my dad rightfully praises him when he can and also my dad's probably one of Jack's biggest critics because he knows that Jack can do a lot more I mean I've known Jack for years now and I watch him I've seen him do some things for the reserves before he got into the first team and I'm thinking I want to see you do those for the first team I know you're fully capable of doing so and I think he is it's just is that little spark of that confidence maybe that belief maybe he does, he does need a couple of those passes to work then we'll see another side of Jack because technically he is capable of it but whether I can't help just getting sort of under Bruce he got a run of games in the midfield and then all you know all of a sudden he gets put back to left back again doesn't he can't help yeah it can it can throw you and I suppose you can't interpret that as saying well we don't really fancy you then in midfield but it, I think if anything that's a positive for Jack because it shows he's flexible he can play he can retain the ball at left back <coughs> nowadays full backs retain the ball very well if you look at Glenn Johnson he can retain the ball for fun so that's a positive thing for Jack but for me he is a central midfielder and I think he's come out and said it recently in the press hasn't he so he now needs to be judged on his central midfield um, performances alone now and if he wants his contract which he should get by far he needs to start doing those passes that we're talking about I think that's a, a, the thing for him is he does want to play in the middle and, and Poyet almost showed that um, you know in his first few games where, where Jack was dropped against Swansea um, and Barbsy came in at left back and then Desena came in left back at Hull so he's, he's said to Jack you're a centre midfielder that's the impression I get and that's where you're going to that's where you're going to play unless you know we really need you to go there or a tactical change within a game to save a substitution or something like that I think that's different when you move somebody to left back in the game but to start him at left back's kind of almost saying that's where you are but mm. he's, he's starting in the middle and now it seems as though he's you know that that must help his confidence if he wants to play in the middle and the manager's backing him there and saying right, and then you might see his ability, you know, come out. Yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. I think Jack would have been disappointed if he dropped against Swansea after playing as well he had done the last couple of games. But he's also living by his own sword there because he's saying, "I want to be a central midfielder." So at the time, yeah. Poyo chose them central midfield yeah. players to play there. So unfortunately, Desena comes in, he loses his place, at, you know, at the immediate time. So. He will be disappointed to lose his place against Swansea, but if he wants to play central midfield, maybe he has to be a little bit patient in those, in those early beginnings. Mm-hmm. Speaking about patience, we'll just sort of um, conclude this little Man City thing before we move on to the question of the week. James, fans need to be patient now because they've seen two wins against Southampton against Man City. We can't, they can't suddenly expect that Sunderland are now going to go out, um, keep the ball and fly up the table all of a sudden. Kind of, there's going to be teething problems still isn't it because every side you play against is differently for a start yeah I mean, this is this is just the start it's the um, you know it's, it's just the start Sunderland are by no means the, the finished article they've got loads of, uh, and, they're still of playing ca- and they're still playing catch up as well and they're still playing catch up as, as you rightly say but um, you know they've given themselves a, an excellent chance um, by winning two of the last three games obviously a, a month ago Um things were looking pretty grim mm. I think everybody accepts that but um, all of a sudden they're within three points of, uh, of safety and they're giving themselves a, a real chance but there's still an awful lot of work to do and a long way to go um, people can't expect that they'll play as well as they have against Man City um, and also uh, get results uh, get a result to, against Newcastle they can't expect that every week because it won't happen every week um, people need to be realistic but I think most fans um Will 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 see that and, mm-hmm. and won't expect too much too soon. Mm-hmm. I, I think I think they know that um, this is very much a, a team that's in transition. Where Gus Poyet's working with a uh, a group of players that uh, 
that aren't of his own choosing um, and it'll take some time before he gets gets the opportunity to, e- to do something about that. And expectations probably quashed a little bit anyway because of the start we had because most people I know were, were writing us off anyway after a few weeks ago before the Newcastle win certainly so I think looking at it from that way people people are more likely to be a little bit more realistic but it's certainly positive we're going to yeah I think mo- most people this, this season will, would accept that you know Premier League survival, survival. is, is the be-all and end-all. Absolutely. So we are going to go on to the question of the week now. I'm going to let Gareth remind you what it was and also what the prize is this week. Yeah, so the, the question of the week this week, um, saw a few chats on Twitter about songs and original songs and stuff, and Stephen came up with a question, was um, come up basically just come up with a, a new sort of original witty song. Because poet, tell so about the prize. I, I will. I'm okay. getting on to it. Okay. Calm down. Um, yeah, so the prize is um, courtesy of um, Love Supreme, um, and they're, they're contributing. It's the um, the Sunderland Steamer like greatest goals DVD. Um, it's all the goals from every season. Well, not all of the goals. Some of the best goals Some from glaring omissions from it. <laughs> <laughs> all right, <laughs> it, it is really Don't good. Don't the prize. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, <laughs> that's it great. It's good. It's good. I, I bought it. It's good. No, no it is good. Um, we watched the prize before we give it away. Yeah, yeah. We've all we've passed it round. Yeah. Scratched this a couple of times. Yeah. yeah. But um, I uh, we've got we've got that. So it's uh, basically each season goes through, and it's got um, the best goals from each season. Um, and you, you can buy it if you don't win it um, for thirteen pounds from Love Supreme. Um, you can go in store, or you can uh, you can get it online, and I think you can get it some other stores as well. Do so we need, do we need? Um, we've got so a few people were brave enough to send some sound clips. Um, so everyone's going to put their earphones on now, just be careful we don't get that feedback that you got last time. Um, and uh, so we'll have a listen to them as well, and then I'm going to get well, we're all going to judge it basically. So shall I do the, shall I read the ones out first? Yeah, go ahead. I'll do I'll do the reedy ones first, okay? So um JLC Tush, as he's calling Twitter, came up with Poyet, the best a man can get to the Gillette ad theme. No, it's no, not I'm got not a very strong one. reaction. Yeah, I'm not having that one. Michael Todd. Um Poyet the got Lad. The best use basically. In the ever, by the way. Poyet the Lad was put to the tune of Hawaii the Lads. That was his. Maybe you should sing these, guys. No, I'm not singing. To, to give, not you sing. need to give the listeners context of. I am not singing. Of, 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 you can come towards the mic once you've got your earphones on. By the way, you don't have to stay away completely. Although no one's going to hear otherwise. Um, John Ridley, um, Gus Poyet, Poyet, he came to make us play. We beat. We'll beat the Mags home and away. Gus Poyet, Poyet. It's the better one out of the, the one so far. Um, Gavin Henderson. <laughs> Gus's mouth is bigger than this. <laughs> Gus's mouth is bigger than this. It's got some teeth and it's got fillings. Gus's mouth is bigger than this. To the tune of My Garden Shed. No. No, 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 no. I like that one, Gavin. Definitely, <laughs> no. I've had three off Gavaskew, actually, so he was hard at work. Um, Gustavo, whoa. I, I, can't, I can't... I'm not singing <laughs> yeah, it. Are you gonna have Gustavo, to? whoa. He let Barini score. He didn't poo on the floor. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> That's my favourite so <laughs> <Yeah>. far. Gu- <clears throat> Gus Poyet, Poyet, he'll pass from the back to the net. We ain't seen nothing yet. Gus Poyet, Poyet. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I don't Potent- mind that one. Potential. Yeah. Potential. Is that from the same bloke anyway? Yeah. He's keen then, isn't he? Yeah. yeah. Gustavo. He's run away with this. He's got Gustavo Wool. Gustavo Wool. He came from Uruguay as Paolo waved bye bye. Yeah, that's not bad. It's not too bad. He's run away one. with yeah, this, everybody. It's a bit too naughty for me, that one. I can't have that one. Um, <laughs> and Ordinary John came up with a, an erasure. <laughs> based one 
We try to discover some good stop us losing, or Sunderland refrain from breaking my heart. I'm so in love with you, I'll be forever true. Or Sunderland, please give a little poet to me. I don't mind that one, to be honest. Don't mind it. Yeah, I don't mind that one. Luke's a bit of an Erasure fan. Yeah, I don't I, mind I'm an Erasure fan as well, but uh, <laughs> I thought I'd uh, kudos to him, and we've got two clips, so they should get extra points for the at least sending the clip in. <laughs> um, so I don't know if you. It might be easy for you if you uh, cue the first one up, Stephen. There. Okay, this He's is already in listening. This is Matt Beard, who's an avid listener. Gosh, poet, poet, a game that we won't forget. He beat the max to one. Our Sunderland, Sunderland. Gosh, poet, poet, a game that we won't forget. He beat the max to one. Our Sunderland, Sunderland. <laughs> I quite like that one to be honest. Yeah, yeah. I give him his, his dues for singing in as well. Yeah. Kudos. We've got one more. Go on then. This is um, Tommy Boyd who sent this one in. Oh, yeah. Yes, I feel of going down. But then we be the magpies. Man said to all, just we love you. <laughs> I think you'd down a bottle of wine before yeah, yeah, that one. bottles of whiskey on that yeah. before that one, mind. <laughs> I can't have that one at all. Which one? <laughs> so, what do you think then? What, who? Who? I'm, I think Matt does. Matt, you know, I think he's definitely in the top three for me for for singing it, and it was cohesive. Yeah, I'm going with that one. Yeah, I like that one. Yeah, I think so. I'd agree and with that. And he had the bravery to send it in as well. So yeah. Um, well, James and Luke, we said, could judge this. So, so is Matt one? Uh, yeah. Yeah, it's fairly that good. That's yeah, a you bloke to be on, Matt. I've got to I say. know. That, Gav, you know, that they were good. If you want to start know. tweeting a love supreme and put pressure on them to, yeah, to, to give, give away an extra one, one. Yeah, 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 that's up to you. Um. So, yeah, you... Matt, you've won. Well done. Congratulations, so, Matt. Yeah, congratulations. So well it, done. It's a worth. It's a worthy prize as well. So, um, unlucky Gav. If Gav, if you, if you just sent in one of those, you know, and done an audio clip, you might have been in the just gone that measures, further. Gav. Half measures. Just that further. And he did. He typed three out as well. So. So. Yeah. Well, we're just going to finish. I just wanted to ask Luke a, a few things. We're obviously not going to. <laughs> put him on the spotlight, you know, asking him, asking him to be too revealing, but something that you know he he might know that we don't, so to speak, and he has better days questions as well. So I'm not I'm not putting him on the spot. I've used all my journalism training. <laughs> um, right, I want to know, Luke, that we keep hearing about these football and philosophies and stuff. You know, because Poet is bringing a philosophy, yeah. and you, you look at people comparing it to sides like Swansea, etc., who play the same style of football all the way through from the first team under 21s and I was just wondering then you know if, if you'd known if your dad's been briefed or he's even had a discussion with you just sort of you know he's on gathering his own thoughts about is that now going to be implemented all the way through the club this style of football um, I think what you should refer back to is it's probably for years Sunderland have played this way this goes all the way back to Keys Van Bourne even when I was playing at the club the club as a whole through the youth team play very very good football I mean if you watch the development scored, or if you're lucky enough to catch the 18s, they always play a good football. It's not so. It's not so much a case of Gus Poyer coming in and trying to implement his ideas. But what about you know if we're specifically talking about formations? You know the way that that centre midfielder drops so deep, etc. 
did he, is it something he's even discussed you with? Or do you think I wouldn't have said he hasn't discussed it with him, but I wouldn't go as far as saying he has because remember we there's different players in that group as well, um, and also remember they're in their own league, so they might want to pick up points as well. So there's going to be horses for courses and systems mm-hmm. for there as well. Because it would certainly be easier to for, for the first for the transition. Team, yeah, it would be. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. And I understand that, and I can understand yeah. that reason of thought. But what, the way I look at, it, I suppose, is if the players are comfortable playing the position they are for the development squad, where they play play with the ball and they know their position, it'll be easier for them if they go to the first team to make that transition to the first team anyway. So I think if they can be roundly versed before before they step into the first team, I think their transition will be so much smoother and easier. So then the player, how Gus Poyer, if he's still in charge, if they do if mm-hmm. they do make the grade. Now I want to talk about ask about Cabral. I think the fact that I mean three managers haven't picked him probably speaks volumes anyway. And the fact Sonnen aren't getting beat every week now, there's less less of a call for him to be involved but I mean last time James was on the pod we were discussing this because up until that point we'd seen him play well pre-season we'd seen him get man the match arguably against Fulham but there was a time when he went and played for your dad at Liverpool for the under 21s now by all accounts he was a disgrace has he, has he automatically <laughs> harsh, it? that's what people said has he automatically discarded himself from your dad's plans to be involved after that game see it's interesting because I have to be fair to him and say I wasn't at the game at the Liverpool game so I can't comment on his performance um, what I can say is I agree with you I've seen him in pre-season and the games and I thought he did very well but I suppose you, ha- you can't take it as a coincidence that then three managers have come in and he hasn't had a run in the team so how you interpret that is for your mm-hmm. own choosing but it's you know it's not a coincidence. Is the stuff away from the fit pitch as well? I don't. I, I'm not at training every day. I'm at training very very rarely. But f- for me, he mustn't be doing something because he's not in the team. Whether that's in training, whether that's his preparation, whether the players who are available are maybe just one step ahead of him through match fitness. I don't know. But he's obviously not done something to really put himself into the manager's decision as of yet. I have to say, I, I, I'm a fan of Cabral. But which game was it? The Cup game, Southampton. M- MK Don. It was oh, Southampton. What when he didn't play? You mean? When he didn't play, right? He went out to warm up, and I was just, I was laughing to be honest, because he didn't. He went, he walked, kind of walked up and down the touchline, yeah. and then he did like one cursory sort of half stretch, and then he kind of stood with his hands in his pocket for about five minutes, and then just went and sat down. Um, it, it, it was unbelievable. There was a couple of lads who were sitting next to, and we were just laughing. You should have filmed it. You should have filmed it. That doesn't exactly endear him to me, no. though, does it? I mean, no. he arguably could have came on against United when Gardner came off. But I'll be in his defence there. For me, at that particular time, Sonnen was probably chasing the game a little bit there. So for me, you probably put the, the more match fit Larson on, and I think Larson can probably chase the game better than what Cabral can anyway. So for him not to come on that game, I don't suppose was too much of a surprise. But he hasn't really done much since has he mm-hmm. so there's something there must be something going on whether he's just at the joint or whether he's just he's not feeling at the moment I don't know but he is a good player he has a great pedigree and some of them are very very keen on signing him so I don't know whether there's something must be amiss there there really is mm. another one the, must, the mystery continues yeah well we can't expect too much coming <laughs> no, no. Um, just generally anyway you mentioned, I don't think anyone um, mentioned Phil Bardsley earlier from from what I can gather Everybody at the clubs had a good relationship with him. Was your dad the same? Did he did he not think about bringing him in um, in his in his time in charge? Um, it would have made a big call because he's made a huge call. Hasn't I he? think he was still injured. If I remember rightly, when right, my okay. dad was there. That's but I know enough. my father. You'd be hard pressed to find someone who doesn't enjoy working with my father at the club, and that's not trying to to blow smoke. But there isn't. But I suppose the difference between that is my my father's group 
is a separate entity to the first team, so the pressures are different. My dad can probably be more of a, a friend role. He'll still be a dis- disciplinarian, you, you know what he's like, mm. but he can still be a friend role in that as well. Um, the, the working relationship they had is very good, and my father did have it with a lot of the first team players. Uh, I know Phil Barsley trained for a long time with my father, keeping his fitness. So that says something about the player if he wants to go and work hard with my dad, because my dad won't um, scrimp on fitness. Um, his under-21 teams are very, very, very fit, and he works them hard. So he's made the conscious decision then to go and work with the 21s, knowing fine well they're going to work hard. I suppose he doesn't really have anywhere else to go if he doesn't go to the 21s, but he's made the conscious decision to go to the 21s, knowing fine well how hard they work and what my father expects of them. So he can't go into that team and mess about or do things he shouldn't do because he'll have my father breathing down his neck. Was again, like you, like you say, the the call was Gus Poyets to bring him back, but it was actually uh, Kevin Ball that floated the idea of of bringing Phil back into the fold. Um, I spoke to him and asked him whether that might be a, an option, and uh, he gave the impression that were he to get the job full time, Kevin, then uh, he would bring uh, Phil Barsley back into it. Um, and he also said that he thought anybody that did get the job would would give give him a clean slate, and that's. Uh, exactly what's happened in the yeah end. I think that's only fair because there comes a time we have to draw a line under it um, I think to be honest I think my father probably would have done brought him back into the fray uh, same as he's done Catamol because you've seen a whole regeneration of Catamol and his performances and I suppose Westwood as well because I think Westwood's come on leaps and bounds since the Canyon left as well so I think it was a clean slate for a lot of people it wasn't so much a hard decision for Poyet to do it was a brave one but it wasn't a hard one because he's worked hard he got fit um, and really the onus is on Barty to to perform, if he doesn't perform, you don't get a contract. You don't set the club. You perform well. Poyer looks like a magician, and you get a good performance out of him. Mm. So it's not really a lose lose situation for Poyer as such. I got the impression that when your dad took over the f- for the first game uh, against Pit- Pride at the Peterborough game, that he was kind of half interested in the job full time, and I felt that you know players say you get nothing. There's nothing like playing at a top level and stuff, and I suppose managing is the closest you get to it. Was so I, th- I thought I noticed, obviously you know being in and around the media as well, a ch- big change after he won that Peterborough game. Did you notice an uplift in his mood? Did, did it's almost if it reignited something? Yeah, I mean it's always his ambition to, to manage the football club. I mean he did too for the ten games, which was a totally different um, <laughs> yeah. experience. So Just to speak. a bit, <laughs> yeah. Um, and I think it's a hard thing for me, father, because you give him a taste of it, and he obviously want a little bit more of it. Mm. Um, you just sense after that win. It, it, it his did eyes lit up a little it bit. It did. Yeah. And you well, could, did you notice a change, like sort of being around him that f- it, few days? He did seem a little bit more reinvigorated. Don't get me wrong, my father loves what he does, and it's hard pressed to find someone who works the hours that he does. I mean, before the Peterborough game, he left the house at six, and he coached uh, the development squad to get back till ten o'clock that night. And he does that because he loves it. So he is. He got that little bit of excitement with the first team, and I think some of the first team members. They, they, I think they bought into that as well because some of the first team members really did enjoy what he was doing and what was happening while he was in charge. What we talked about this on the on the podcast at the time, and you know, we, we did say it was kind of between Kevin and an outsider. Mm. Basically, yeah. that was basically the, that's what we felt um, because it, you know it, he, he did a, a decent job, but like we're a bit unfortunate the two league games that we he lost uh, yeah, and I stuff mean, like that but it's just we kind of thought what's the pathway for him to get to be Sunderland manager because it must be difficult for him to to just be a coach in w- within the club and not have any first team managerial experience apart from there is when a he slight glass ceiling isn't there there is yeah. a slight glass ceiling and I suppose if you, if you look at continuity and stability 
if you wanted to take that to the end of the season, my, my father probably would have been the prime candidate. Unfortunately, my father doesn't have the managerial experience, so that counted against him. So you can totally understand why Ellis Short went with yeah. Gus Poyer. I mean, as time went well, on... It's somebody else to learn from as well, isn't it? It is, and it's a great experience for my father. I mean, it's not every day you get to manage your football, your football club, you know, yeah. especially if he's such a huge fan as what he is. Um, it is a bit of a shame my father didn't get the job, don't get me wrong, but he knew what his limitations were in terms of experience. And I suppose if my father does have ambitions to manage, there comes a time where he might have to leave Sonnen Football Club to manage elsewhere. I'm not saying to come back to Sonnen Football Club. There always will be that that idea. But if he wants to manage, he might want to leave. But I mean, in time, he does a, a very good job of what he does. But I have to say as well, eventually what will happen... I mean, Poyet's not going to be there for 20 years, right? This is this is a reality. He, you know, he, likelihood is he's going to be there three, you know, four at a push because that's that's modern management isn't it if Kevin comes in again then because I, I was saying like there was talk about him getting involved with the first team squad people were like oh can can he do that and now there was a lot of talk it's not really fair to force you can't force you can't people force, together you can't force partnerships if you're yeah. giving Gus Poyer the position to come into the club and make a change he has to bring in his own men yeah. you can't force um, compatibility I don't think it's very fair for my father because I think if my father wanted that job, he wanted to be a number one. Yeah. And it's not very fair to Poyet to say, look, you can have a job, but I'm almost not restraining you, so to speak, mm. because my father's ability is good enough to do so. But you, you're having limitations on who you want to bring in. And it's mm. not, it wouldn't be fair on either, no. either or, to be mm. honest with you. That, that's kind of what we talked yeah, about, yeah. didn't we? But it yeah. would just be, that path, again, that pathway for him, and that's what we were saying. It's like, I think we'd all love it if you know, absolutely, Kevin absolutely, was the manager yeah. of Sunderland and it's like, you kind of think, well, how's he, how's he going to get, get how's there? he going to yeah. get there, you I, know? I, I, I I'll go out on a limb and say that I think that one day he will be the Sunderland manager. I hope so. I think well, well, so do I. But, so well, but the pathway may well take him elsewhere. First, I think, yeah. yeah, I think that's a fair point. I think if my dad does have ambitions to manage, for me personally, I think he may have to leave to come back. If he chooses to come back, he might leave, might not want to come back, you know, mm. you know what he's like, you, you always will want to come back because he's mm. Sunderland through and through. But if he does want uh, to be this manager, sooner rather than later either something's going to go catastrophically wrong with Poirier or it's going to have to be a little bit further down the line and I think that's a fair comment to say the only thing you could could do with uh, when you you come in as uh, interim head coach or whatever title uh, it yeah. was this time um, is uh, is win your games and, and, and make you know make sure that uh, you, you've got an unanswerable case to yeah. stay but with the fixtures that, that uh, Kevin Ball was, was handed this time you know mm, with the home games against really Manchester not. United and, tr- and Liverpool that was never draw, likely yeah. Yeah. and if you had if you had have won those two games then you know you wouldn't have you wouldn't have wanted to look anywhere else no, and I think that's fair to say and I suppose if I look back on it in hindsight you could interpret the situation as always being Gus Poyer's job. You know, I, well, no, that's not controversial for me to say. So I think uh, you probably could interpret, you know, give the harder games to my father, and if we take something, we take something. If he reinvigorates the teams, well, yeah, and I think that's yeah. I think that's fair to say. But um, and that's not a bad thing because my dad got two half decent performances out the out the lads in the league More for Poyer. Yeah. He got experience for himself, and he also reinvigorated some of the lads. You know, you brought Catamol back in, who's now I would say probably going to be a huge part of Sonnen going forward. And, and Westwood as well and Yaccarini I think Yaccarini started improving under my mm. father as well two goals in three games so both sides got benefits out of it yeah. but for me I'll personally interpret as it went on and as, after he got appointed I think it was always Poirier's job and I suppose it's, it sounds a bit of a shame but my dad wasn't there to fill in the gap he got a great experience out of it but for me it was Poirier's job for the long haul but just because of the managerial experience yeah. mm. I'm happy to leave things with that everybody happy yeah. with that yeah yeah yep yeah. 
Good. So, I've been Stephen Goldsmith and Gareth Barker's joining me as always. I'd like to thank James Hunter for coming in and Luke Ball as well. And thanks for all, thanks all for listening and just for the songs as well. The, yeah, absolutely. The people who send in the sound clips and um, especially Matt as well because he's always so very, he's always very complimentary and I know he's an avid listener. So we'll, we'll, in, we'll inform ALS um, and we'll sort it out on Twitter that you with the yeah. prize. That's how we would have done it either way. Yeah, so. yeah, that'd be fine. Okay, so thanks for listening, everybody. We'll be back next week when we'll have a game to preview Stoke City, I believe. Yep. So we will be discussing that then. Thanks for listening. Over and out. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.